This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. I apologize. The opening said every week, and it's been every six months or so. Um, <laughs> that, that might be optimistic, actually. I don't know. I, when, I is the, when was the last time? I think it's more than six months. We were. I think we recorded sometime in November was the last time we were together, which is um, – I had to re- reintroduce myself to Tony. Um, it's a sad, it's a sad commentary. List. It's all Chad's fault. Yes, it's all it's all my fault. I had uh, had everything to do with it and nothing. Uh, I mean, since we've last spoken, I've been to Hawaii and I've been to Texas, and uh, birthdays and holidays, everything has happened since we've last spoken. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting. Um, let's. There's so much to talk about because again, we haven't talked for so long. But there's so much going on in the world of um, the swamp down in D.C. I, I'm not even sure. Where, do you have a particular place you want to start? Because I have a couple things I want to get to, but I don't know if they're the most important or just because they're on my mind. Um, I feel like, honestly, that particularly if you're somebody that pays attention to – Uh, let's just say conservative media, because most of the things that we talk about, you will never hear about uh, in the mainstream press, uh, which is maybe perhaps one of the things that we should talk about, talk about is this continuing, uh, essentially we're operating under a propaganda network. And and that may sound hyperbolic, but it really isn't Uh, in terms of the media's complete uh, and, and now utterly shameless willingness to simply uh, act as a vanguard for the Democratic Party and, and left-wing interests. So you say, you know, to pick a story, it is a 24-7 gusher, right? Of, of literally, of, of the late, yes. like, you can't believe it'd be more insane. And then an hour later, you hear something else, whether it's about the border or it's about the latest insanity in higher education or it's the latest edict emanating from the big guy, uh, from his, you know, from his bed somewhere as Susan Rice or whoever it is that's managing him says, uh, you need to issue this particular unconstitutional edict. It is, it's truly amazing and it's incredibly troubling, but I think part of their strategy is there's so many uh, just abuses, so much corruption, so much lying that you just can't – you literally can't keep track of it all. I, I think that's part of the point. Yes. If we throw enough stuff against the wall, you can't see all stuff. Like Corinne Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre said the other day – I don't know what day it was this week – that Joe Biden and his policies have reduced illegal immigration by 90%. We had record numbers of people in 2022, which was only exceeded from 2021, which was also under Joe Biden. And they have the audacity to say that we've reduced it by 90%. You know what? Honestly, why doesn't she just say 113%? Because you say they have the audacity. At this stage, what they recognize is it doesn't matter how hallucinogenic their lies are. They're going to, they're going to spew them. There's going to yep. be no pushback. Other than, again, in, in sort of conservative media, whatever that means to you. Uh, and so there is no downside to them uh, of saying these sorts of things because what, are, what have ever been the consequences for this? Nothing. None. That's the point right there. 
It doesn't matter what is said. It it never gets there. There's no intellectual curiosity from anybody in our media, maybe other than Peter Ducey, to ask a question. You go, are are you sure I heard that right? Joe Biden's son Hunter. Remember, the smartest man Joe Biden knows, Hunter Biden, argued this week that his child, which he claims was not his, even though DNA says it is, doesn't want his child to take his last name because there's just bad things associated with his last name. Bags of cash, maybe not bad things. I'm confused. You know, Joe Biden talks about deadbeat dads. We're not a deadbeat nation, but your son is a deadbeat father. He is. He's a bad guy. Of course he's a bad guy. He's he's a criminal. And so is their entire their entire family, extended family, the Biden, you know, crime syndicate in terms of influence peddling and the Chinese money and the overseas money. And and again, to your point, everyone knows this. Right. Yeah. This is this is an open secret. Everyone knows this. No one cares. Uh, no. no one is prepared to do anything about it. And I understand there's certain ongoing investigations relating to Hunter. Do you, Chad, for one minute, believe that Hunter Biden will ever spend a day in jail? No, no, he will not. Uh, another, just another example of this fire hose, uh, Anthony Blinken. Okay, so now we have this story that, by the way, if you would mention this to most people, they have no idea what you're talking about. So this yeah. is, again, the, the, the slow drip drip of the information coming out about uh, the complete concerted effort among government actors to squash, to squelch, to silence, to muzzle the Hunter Biden story uh, that was reported by the New York Post in the run-up to the presidential election, there was literally a, a governmental, uh, you want to talk about collusion, a, a collusion with Facebook, with all of the social media, but, mm-hmm. and, and they suppressed it. And they suppressed a story that many polls have shown, if people had known about it, not only just about Hunter Biden's activities, but the fact that Joe Biden is clearly implicated as part of their influence peddling scams would have affected the election. But the Blinken part of this now is that he's now caught lying under oath because he's been in front of Congress and they've been asking him, did you ever have any communications with Hunter Biden? He flatly said under oath that he did not. And yet they have multiple emails. I don't know how many they have, probably dozens of them where Blinken is communicating directly with Hunter Biden. And, and Blinken was the impetus to gin up this, the 51 intelligence officials who claimed that the, uh, the, the laptop bore the, what is it, the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, which they all knew was a lie at the time. It was a politically concocted smokescreen to eliminate a potentially disastrous story. It worked. Joe Biden got elected. And again, will any of these people, have any of these people apologized? No. Have any of these people been called on the carpet about their lies? No. It, will Anthony Blinken lose his position as a secretary? Secretary of State? No. And that's one of the other problems, Chad, is that people increasingly, and this has been going on for years, they look at these double standards and they basically say the rule of law in this country does not exist. And I don't, I don't disagree with them. It really doesn't. Well, so the, where did it begin on that? The, the Russia collusion thing came from Hillary's camp. The 51 intelligence experts came from Biden's camp. If you flip it, if you if both of those had come from Trump, do you think we'd have we'd have more than we do? There would have been Trump would probably be in jail already. Although with the farcical 
thing in Man- Manhattan, I'm not sure that he's still not going to go to jail because uh, I think a jury of his peers in Manhattan will convict him because it's New York. But that's beside the point. The, all this, all this stuff leads up to why do we trust anything we're told by those in authority? Because they have a political motive. They have, they have a reason for doing this. You know, if, if Anthony Blinken has existing emails with Hunter Biden, he should have just called Hillary. She has a way of just getting rid of those things. They don't exist anymore. And nobody ever has any repercussions for that. No. Well, to your point about uh, the, you know, the brazen lying, and again, the lying now is the point. In other words, very similar to under totalitarian regimes, the lying was the point in the sense that you break people by making them assent to the lie. Right? Everyone knows what's going on. This isn't, this isn't a lie intended to hide something. This is a lie out in the open to demonstrate raw power, meaning we're going to lie, and you're going to accept our lie, and you're going to parrot the lie back to us. For instance, all of the trans insanity, right? You're going to say that there really is nothing there's no such thing as men and women. There's no such thing as the reality of biological sex. And you're going to repeat these lies because in order for us to actually control you and break you, that's what we want. But getting back to your point about no consequences, for instance, Dr. Fauci has once again been in front of Congress. And now Dr. Fauci is claiming, I never, I never suggested or supported lockdowns. Now, there's, Chad, there's probably three hours worth of video where Dr. Fauci is saying the country must be locked down. And yet he will brazenly say something like this, knowing it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I say, right? You know, I mean, Biden comes out there all the time. You know, you talked about Jean-Pierre Croissant and her claims about the border. It literally doesn't matter what they say. Everything that comes out of their mouths is a lie. And it will continue to be so. So, some of this is borne out. So I, I read some of this stuff because you don't have to. And it's called Reddit. I don't know if you're familiar with Reddit, yeah. Tony. Yeah, I'm not on Reddit really, but I, I know what it is. So they have these subgroups basically of, of vile and disgusting human beings pronouncing why they're intelligent and everybody else on the opposite side of whatever issue they're talking about is human garbage. Um, so yesterday, I'll read you the headline. Texas Republicans just voted to give a Greg Abbott appointee the power to single-handedly cancel election results in the state's largest Democratic county. Now, that's not what it says. It says the Secretary of State shall order a new election if the Secretary has good cause to believe that at least 2% of the total number of polling places in the county did not receive supplemental ballots under a section of the law for one or more hours after making requests for supplemental ballots to the authority responsible for distributing election supplies. It does not say in the third biggest county in the United States. It does not say that they're overturning elections. It says if you didn't get the ballots and we can't make sure that the ballots were counted correctly, we have a right to say we're going to redo this because something was fishy. But if you read the comments, every Republican, and I'm not kidding you, everything in here is mass unrest. We need to kill these fascists. We need to... um, destroy every Republican. How can somebody possibly vote Republican because they have no moral standing? They hate everybody. They want to kill everyone and take away everybody's rights. I I am flabbergasted, but again, I know where it comes from. This is what you're being fed on a daily basis from your media, that everything the Republicans want to do is evil and everything the Democrats want to do is 
is just the greatest thing you've ever heard of, even if you don't understand why. Take the example That's of the uh, the recent shooting of um, the Christian kids, right? So true, yeah. perfect example of now the psyops going on where – so you have an individual obviously disturbed, uh, trans, uh, decides to go out and intentionally murder a bunch of Christians. Yep. The story is not – about that individual. And of course, they're still hiding the manifesto that this person wrote. Uh, again, flip the script. Would that have ever been hidden if Jethro from the, nope. uh, the Baptist militia had shot up an African? No, of course, it would be it would be papered over every news feed, every newspaper, every social media account in the country for months on end. But then what is the story now, Chad? So in the aftermath of this, when when someone who clearly and by the way, you and I have talked about many of these things. I don't I don't do the guilt by association game. This is a single individual who is responsible for their conduct. However, if we're going to talk about motives, right, and the political climate, and of course we've heard incessantly about Donald Trump as a threat to the republic because he, he's constantly inciting people, the deplorables, the mouth breathers, to act out violently. We're not allowed to discuss that as it relates to this individual who had a very clear ideological motivation. And yet and then what happens, you have a bunch of left-wing legislatures, legislators who storm the Tennessee House or the Senate because they're demanding gun control, they're properly mm-hmm. removed, and yet somehow this story now becomes about racism and transphobia and shutting down free speech. This mm-hmm. is the media at work, right? And if you ask the average person on the street, nobody actually really remembers anymore because it's been memory hold. This shooter, right? It's gone, just like James Hodgkinson, gone, mm-hmm. right? We don't talk mm-hmm. about James Hodgkinson because he's inconvenient. And we don't talk about anyone who's a minority shooter because they're inconvenient. And we certainly don't talk about a trans activist who tried to murder Christians because that is just simply not going to play on CNN. And what we are going to talk about now is a complete version of this that what it's really about is wicked evil racist republicans who are attempt who have transphobia who are attempting to deny the constitutional rights of two legislators who happen to be african american and yet this is the narrative right that's what the story has become well and that shooter was portrayed as the victim either the victim or entirely justified well, either, it, whatever, whatever it came down to, it was the people who died. Well, it's unfortunate, but this person was a victim. That you don't understand. They they struggled with their own sexuality. They're a victim. They went into a school and they murdered people. This person murdered people. And do you, do you even know the person's name? I mean, it was back and forth, male, female. How do we how do we describe? Sure. This person was a victim, and the people who died. Nothing. The the Tennessee three you're speaking about. Good Morning America. They were, made the talk show rounds. They made it to the White House. You know how many people have come from that? The families of those victims in Tennessee. None. None of them have been invited to the White House. They have no Cre- political. They have no political no, utility. No comment. No com- No. I have not. I can't speak about that. I don't. I don't have anything to say about that. You invited two, three people. I, I think they should have. Expelled all three. Honestly, all three should have been expelled. Only, only the two black men were expelled, and we wrote wrote it right back in um, days later. They should. They knew they were breaking the rules. They knew exactly what they were doing, and they did it anyway, and expected no repercussions. If you watch any video of 
the hearings prior to the expulsion and after when they came back, they were vile. They were vile to their fellow uh, lawmakers. They're doing, they were doing exactly what the left claims was the worst day, the people that were actually rioting on January 6th. This is the indictment against those people. You were criminally shutting down attempting to shut down the the operation of the United States government. And those people, the ones that were not even rioting, they were just in the Capitol, have been prosecuted to not the fullest extent of the law, beyond the fullest extent of the law. And you have people yeah. like John Fia and all the rest of them who have been days on end, months on end, year on end, just highlighting this is how this is the worst thing that's ever happened, worse than the Civil War, worse than uh, worse than things that happened in World War II, worse than 9-11. These guys were doing exactly the same thing as a mm-hmm. as a political call it what they call it, an insurrection in the Tennessee legislature, but then somehow they're heroic now for doing this. If well, they, I guarantee you, Chad, if they had been white yeah. guys in buffalo helmets uh, trying to disrupt the democratically controlled legislature, trying to pass gun control, they would, be, they would already be in jail. They would be in solitary waiting for their lengthy prison sentences as Merrick Garland sicked the entire apparatus of the Federal Department of Justice on them. Yes, and, and you, do, you haven't heard this in the news. Tony's referring to the Tennessee legislature, which was – insurrection they did it in kentucky uh, i believe they did some other state too i can't remember the third state where these people just show up and they shut down the the house of of, of a state government that's that's exactly what january 6th turned out to be and yet nothing none of these people are being prosecuted for anything Nothing. You remember when they did it? Look, this is nothing new. This is this has been true since the sixties. This is what the left does in this country, where direct yeah. action—that's what they call it, right? So, remember when Scott Walker was the bane of their existence, yeah. and they completely yeah. shut down the Wisconsin Capitol building, right? Yep. Rioting inside won't be removed. This is the aftermath of George Floyd. That went on for a year and a half. So this is nothing new. These are their continual tactics. And yet somehow when that happens, it's cast as it's peaceful protest. Or to your point, well, these people are in pain. They're acting out because of systemic racism and oppression and whatever other ism you want to come up with. It's always justified. It's always pandered to. Okay, so the you did hear about the, the, the legislator in Indiana. What do you think about that? I mean, I think he's making a joke of it, but how do you say he's wrong? If everybody well, certainly, else is there's certainly the, you know, anyone on the left has no ability to say that he's wrong. There, there is no limiting principle uh, for, for anyone who claims that they're any particular gender. Uh, you know, he could say he's a wingless dragonkin as one of the guys at Google, and they're in a position to contest that. Well, and I did hear recently that there's a trend now for basically pedophiles to say I'm – attracted to young children so therefore it's okay because that's just who i am and you have to accept that or i identify as a six-year-old child even though i'm a 60 year old man what is it where does reality come in i mean i i sit here and i think to myself even 15 years ago the dsm-5 would have called this 
a mental illness and you would have gotten treatment for this. Now we're supposed to, to your point earlier, we're supposed to accept it. And not, it's not so much accept as you have to agree with me. You have to agree with what I'm doing is correct. And you have to parrot it back because it's okay. And if you don't, yeah. then you are anti something. So it's not so much that I, I can say, well, I'll, I'll, you want to live your life. I'll live my life. No, no. You have to agree with my life or there's something wrong with you. And I, I, I find that frightening, honestly, because at what point does it stop and say, well, wait a minute, you don't care anything about what I want. You only care about what you want. And as long as we get what you want, we're fine. If I want something, if I want you to be a say prayer in school, well, that, that's just awful. But the Satanists can meet in the basement because it's equal opportunity. Right. We've talked about this before, and I think uh, Rod Dreher, um, he may have coined this term. It's the uh, the law of uh, merited impossibility. This idea that any time a a conservative or someone pushes back against some – you know, incremental radicalism that keeps ratcheting in one direction, the, the response is always to laugh and say, don't be ridiculous. This, that'll never happen, right? So, for instance, with, with gay marriage, uh, you know, the concern being you're undermining the concept of traditional marriage that's been rooted in, you know, sort of the, the Western traditions, not even the Western traditions, all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and soon you're not, you're not going to realize the fallout from that because there's going to be other ramifications, including as you alluded to, uh, potentially ending with, you know, pedophilia chic and everyone's laughing. It's ridiculous. You're just mm-hmm. scaremongering. And yet the next day, the next day, what they declared as impossible uh, has happened. And then the response is, well, you deserve it anyway, right? That's the law of merited impossibility. So you, you talked about, um, you know, pedophiles, that is a large part of the end game here and has always been for the trans movement, which is to normalize uh, mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, to, to remove this ridiculous moral stigma that adults should not be having, uh, you know, sex with children because that's just, and, and look, look at what we've seen with the people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is sort of this den of iniquity and believe me, Whatever we have seen publicly is is the barest tip of the iceberg, and so there has always been this perverse fascination with that, and you see more and more people who are openly advocating for that, to your point, mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong with this, this is just how we're wired, and, and it's a lifestyle choice, and so uh, we're, we're accelerating in that direction. Uh, and again, if you had told somebody even five years ago that we would be at this place now where, for instance, it's, it's controversial uh, for someone to stand up and say, biological males should not be permitted to play sports with biological females or be in the locker room or the changing area with your wife or your daughter. That has now become in the, the upside down you know, multiverse of madness that we exist in somehow a controversial statement. And it takes real bravery in the sense of intellectual bravery, someone like Riley Gaines, right? The, the female yeah. swimmer who's been going around to her credit and saying, this has to stop. This is, this is crazy. And yet we exist in a world now where that is now a controversial position to, yeah. to take the position that, wait a minute, men 
should not be competing against women, nor should they be able to prance around in a woman's locker room, you know, naked. Uh, that used to be, what, 10 years ago, sexual harassment grounds for criminal prosecution. Now it's the height of enlightenment to think that this is fantastic. I had a conversation with a high school principal, and I said, when I was in high school, if I went into the women's locker room, I would be suspended, if not expelled. Now, it's okay as long as I say I'm a woman, even though I am not obviously a woman. And they just shook their heads and said, yep, but that's Title IX. I said, Title IX said nothing about men competing as women. It, it well, actually, Title IX was designed, this is the irony, uh, and in some respects, uh, I get a little bit of schadenfreude over this, because Title IX was the um, the banner for the feminist movement, right? And there's a lot of things about Title IX that I think are completely misguided, because, you know, sure. we could talk about the fact that many, many men's uh, athletic programs had to be shuttered because of all of this, you know, the, the funding requirements, etc. But at heart, let's just grant the Title IX's uh, purpose, I guess, is arguably a good thing, which was, okay, we're going to level the playing field for women. And now Title IX has been tortured into something that now basically what could be more anti-feminist than allowing men to intrude in, in women's sports, in women's locker rooms, in, women, in a woman's domain, and to deprive them of their rightful place as champions, right, it, it, to, to intrude on their privacy. And so under the, the left, under the auspices of their, their constantly morphing ideology, is now using Title IX as a cudgel against actual women. I mean, if there isn't anything more, if there's something more ironic than that, I, I don't know what it is. Well, and that's that's the whole point. When when the all the women's records are held by men, are they women's records anymore? I don't care what you identified as, because I can identify. I identify as a billionaire with you know I own every sports team imaginable, and and I am the smartest person that's ever lived because I identify that way. Well, it doesn't make it true because I say it. What is any different about this? Is I, I am who I am because that's how God made me. He didn't make me something else. And I tell my daughter all the time, I said, God didn't make mistakes. People walk around going, well, I was born in the wrong body. No, you weren't because God doesn't make a mistake. He put you in the body you're supposed to be in because he doesn't make mistakes. And we, we never seem to get this. We seem even Christians who go, well, you know, they're just trying to live their true lives. Right. No. Well, that, so, you know, that's a very important point. So one of the things that we have, you know, we've talked about a lot, in the past, the, the sort of you know the progressive Christian critique of uh, so-called you know conservative evangelicals, conservative Christians, is that you know you've sold out for political power. How can you how can you defend uh, your uh, support for a you know sulfuric figure like Donald Trump? Uh, and and okay, and we you know we've discussed that ad nauseum, yeah. and but. I, your point, what I have noticed, and of course, you know, I can't, you know, we're, there's, I'm sure there's, the sure there's many, many very honorable exceptions, but those same people that are, are constantly lamenting how the, how the church has become this 
political, you know, MAGA world and people have, uh, left their scriptural underpinnings in the pursuit of political power, those same people, in my observation, are definitely silent relating to any of this trans craziness, if not openly advocating for it in some mush-mouthed, anti-scriptural way. And I find that not only incredibly, you know, it's noteworthy, but also incredibly troubling. Because to your point, what goes to the heart of biblical truth more than the denial of the created order? That there really isn't such a thing as a man, that there really isn't such a thing as a woman. Now, I don't understand how someone who professes to be a Christian can actually adopt that position you know, in light of the Genesis story to stop just there. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't understand that at all. And I, I was talking to somebody about this theologically and he said, I don't, I don't blame the non-Christians because they're not Christians. They don't, they don't understand uh, what we're talking about, but I definitely blame the Christians for blaspheming in their actions. And then, and that could go for the MAGA people too. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not possible. I, 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 I think if you hearken back to uh, the 2000 election, Bush Gore, I think we started to see a huge divide there. I think, I think if Al Gore had, had uh, said on election night, George Bush, you won, we're done. I accept that I lost. I think we'd have been a better place going forward. I think, Barack Obama came in and he said lots of words, you know, not black America, white America, but United States of America, that kind of stuff. But nothing he did, his actions were divisive in every capacity. His wife's actions were divisive in every capacity. So I get tired of hearing what politicians or people in authority, people in power say their words. I look at their actions and their actions don't match up to their words. So I have to believe their actions are what they truly mean versus what they say. And Barack Obama, whether you liked him or hated him, the man divided this country. And he continues to just shove it in our faces every day about – he's doing a new series on Netflix about working. I mean a man who's never actually held a job other than president – we might have to do some work. He, uh, wasn't, he, uh, wasn't he a, a community organizer for a short time yeah, in Chicago? I, I, yeah. I, I do think I spoke the correct term there earlier. You, you couldn't do it. But he doesn't know what work is. He's been a politician. He's been a community organizer. That's not, that's not real work. That's not what people want. People going out busting their butt, digging ditches or spreading asphalt. That's not what he did. He did none of those things. And yet we, we hold him up. To be something, he came in as middle class. Middle class. The man owns multiple mansions in multiple places in this country, and he's he's. How did he get that money again? Because I know what the president's paid, and his wife didn't work. How does he get so much money? And don't well, tell me, Chad. Let's, come let's not be. Let's not be stingy. The man calmed the seas. Yes, so. he did. He did. You know, we're not really giving credit where credit is due. And I think that someone who has done that deserves a $200 million Netflix contract at a minimum. A minimum, because he, he has so much to add to the, the national dialogue. Joe Biden, so we're sitting here looking, and, and I to- truly believe 
even if the Hunter Biden stuff was said, if Hunter Biden had come out on the front page of the New York Post said, yeah, it's my laptop, I did it, and I don't care, Biden still would have been elected. I don't believe people when they say they wouldn't have voted for Biden if they'd have known how much of a crook he, he and his family were. I don't believe that. I think Trump might make you think that, and people can say after the fact, well, I wasn't. 2020 was a referendum on Trump. It was a referendum on Joe Biden being brain dead. It was a referendum on Trump, and Trump loses that battle every single time because he's not a great human being, and he says things and does things that just annoy people. He's not going to get the Democrats' vote. Some of the Republicans held their nose and voted for him, and the independents just didn't want – they're tired of Donald Trump. I am tired of Donald Trump. But don't you agree – maybe you don't agree. Don't you agree that absent COVID and and – accepting the fact that, yes, Donald Trump has many, many qualities which are unsavory, and I think increasingly so, and we might want to talk about that a little bit, Um, that if you don't have COVID, Trump rolls to the election. I suspect you don't have COVID because I think COVID did two things. It coalesced the Democrats behind Joe Biden when Joe Biden was dead in the water, okay? James Clyburn supported Biden in South Carolina and suddenly Biden looks like a world beater. You know, everything's, you go back to 2016, Bernie Sanders was cheated by the Democrats in 2016. He was cheated by the democratic party in 2020. They ran a brain dead gentleman named Joe Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden had COVID not hit. There's no way Biden could have sat in his basement for months and done nothing. That's true. But What's the, bigger, what's the bigger reason? You know what the bigger reason is that COVID allowed them to do. Well, they could they could do mail in valid correct. That is system. That is you what know? has fundamentally altered. Oh, yeah. Changes um, everything. And I don't. And so you know, I don't want to get into uh, another discussion of the you know the big lie. But but the mass mail balloting, all of the changes that, and you got to give the Democrats credit because they're just much better at this, the lawfare, right? All of the changes that were crammed through by various state legislatures, by governors, by uh, election officials, where every one of them designed to make elections less secure, easier to vote, ballot harvesting, more than one day of counting, mass mail absentee ballots, the whole list. It fundamentally has altered the way that we conduct elections in this country. We're never going back. The only way we will ever go back is if Republicans control both the Senate, the House, and the presidency, and then have the stones to basically federalize this issue. And I'm, Chad, I will be honest, I'm not actually in favor of that. Because it's the nope. exact same thing the Democrats tried to do. Now, I agree. I would certainly support the idea in the sense that it's the right thing to do. But this has to be a state by state process, and I don't think it's going to happen. So what COVID allowed them to do is change the way that we conduct elections. The Democrats, and let's just throw out the we won't even discuss actual fraud. Okay, yeah. the Democrats and the way that they harvest ballots, which. Is it, which, as much as I detest it and think it's entirely inconsistent with how this country was founded and how elections should operate, they're permitted to do ballot harvesting, okay, mm-hmm. at least in, in many states. They're better at it. Their core constituency is far more susceptible to that type of ground game. And in my view, I think it is going to be nearly impossible for a Republican presidential candidate to win election 
other than in sort of a landslide Reagan Mondale kind of situation where the country is just so is such a flaming garbage barge, which in my view we're very close. Uh, that, that that stuff can be overcome just by sheer turnout. But right now, that's what COVID allowed them to change. The Republicans were asleep at the switch. So is, so is Trump, who likes to complain about this stuff, but never did anything in the run-up to his defeat to actually implement or to forestall any of this. And I, I think that that landscape has seism- seismically shifted, and I don't think we're going back. So to dispel the whole... Trump won. Yeah, I forget about the lawsuits. Nothing was ever proven or disproven in court. Everything was thrown out before it ever got to court because of standing and other other rational reasons. I don't think once once those ballots were taken out of the envelopes and were counted, yeah, your numbers are going to match up because you have a, a ballot that says this. So you don't know if that was fraudulently uh, put in there or not. I don't believe. Um, well, let's say this. About 42%, between 39 and 42% people identify as Democrats, um, 30, low 30s Republican, uh, remainder independent. You're not going to get, if we're honest, anybody who votes, and there are exceptions, but I think they prove the rule. If you go in, you may not pull the whole, the whole party system. You may, you may individually hit them. But if we're being honest with each other, you hit all of the party, you're voting for president. Very few people are hitting president one party and senator of another party in their state. Very, very few people doing it. So they're doing their straight party, whatever, whether they pull the, the lever for all the party, push the button, or they individually hit them, they're doing straight party. So you're going to get your Democrats Prior to Trump, you would get your Republicans, and it was always the independents that, that determined the outcome of most major elections. I think Trump is this polarizing figure. I, I truly believe the Democrats could put up any person with a pulse, and they will beat Donald Trump in 2024. I don't I mean, obviously, Biden, he's had two years of showing us how clueless and how impotent he is as a leader and he's still going to beat Trump if he's alive on election day and Trump is the Republican nominee. And that's my concern. We've, we've stopped trying, and I'm not, a, I'm not a registered Republican, but I, I identify on the Republican side. We have stopped trying to win elections, and we're trying to win ideological victories of some sort. Doug Mastriano in the state of Pennsylvania was a horrible candidate. Correct. Mehmet Oz was, was a slightly, better, slightly less horrible candidate. Correct. But they got Donald Trump's endorsement and they lost big. Mehmet Oz lost to John Fetterman, who spent, has spent most of his Senate career in a mental hospital, recovering from his mental deficiencies related to his stroke. The man should never have been on the ballot. The Democrats should never put that man on the ballot. Dianne Feinstein should have resigned. She should not be in the Senate. She is not with it. And yet she sits there. So what you tell me is, okay, we got a man who's clinically depressed, obviously, who's had a stroke. We've got a woman in the Senate who is also 
she's got dementia of some level. We've got a president who's got dementia. But it doesn't matter, folks. It doesn't matter. Just elect them. We've got people behind the scenes who can run everything. Because you can't tell me for a second that John Fetterman can sponsor a bill while he's in a mental hospital. How does that work exactly? He's not at his job. Dianne Feinstein has shingles. Sure, she has shingles and she doesn't think anymore. And Joe Biden doesn't, it's reported, doesn't do anything before 10 a.m. and doesn't do anything after 4 p.m. To work six hours a day. If he's working, that means somebody else is running the government that you did not elect. And it isn't Kamala Harris. So we've elected people, we've elected positions. I think the Fetterman thing to me showed we don't care as long as your party affiliation aligns with what we want. You just have to have a pulse. And we're not even sure the pulse is required. We right. can at Bernie's well, you, just, you need to vote, uh, as you said, if we have to wear you out there with your embalming fluid. You simply need to vote for the things we need you to vote for. Uh, it doesn't really matter whether you're functional, whether you're oriented to place and time. We don't care. And I mean, you know, the the stuff with Biden is now (laughs) and has been for a long time so open and obvious that, again, I I really have very little respect for people who who are who are Democrats who who would say to you, oh, he's fine. I would I would much prefer that they say, absolutely, he's diminished. His Mm -hmm. mental capacity uh, is is clearly in question. Half the time, it doesn't appear that he knows what he's talking about, where he is, who he's talking to. But and here's what I would prefer they say. But I don't care because I would prefer to have a Democrat in the White House who has dementia over any Republican alternative. Now, I think that's a fairly disgraceful perspective, but nevertheless, it's honest. It has the benefit of being honest. And what I find so ironic is our friend, Dr. Fia, who's constantly talking about how Republicans only care about political power. If that indictment has any traction, it's like, buddy, Look around at your party and what they are willing to sponsor and do. To Recently now we have all these attacks on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We have ongoing ethics hearings. And now why is this happening? Because the Supreme Court happens to be right now perhaps the only institution remaining in American public life that the left does not control. And that irritates them. And so their next step, which goes hand in hand with anytime they lose abolishing the electoral college and packing the court. And now the, now the play is we're going to demonize and delegitimize all the conservative justices on the Supreme Court and hope to impose upon them a purely unconstitutional ethics code by which we can then challenge their legitimacy and perhaps remove them or have them recuse themselves. So I just find it fascinating that all we hear from the mainstream press and its sycophants is, oh, those evil Republican voters, they just want power. The Democratic Party in its modern incarnation is only and ever concerned about wielding political power. They actually don't even really have a coherent ideological agenda other than, of course, the the eco-doom cult and and various other grievance constituencies. But ultimately, it's about we need to control the levers of power so we can make you do what we want. That's all that it's about. Yeah. So I'll say about the ethics side of things. There is a possibility that a politician, including a Supreme Court justice, has ethics. But I would be I would begrudge you to say 
most politicians don't. And I would say this, I, I think of these ethics questions, not because I don't think ethics are important because I think they're very important, but I, I feel the same way about it as I feel about Hall of Fame inductees. You're in the Hall of Fame for whatever body it is, sports or otherwise, for your accomplishments in that capacity. You're not there because you're a good human being. You're not there because you're liked. You're there because you set a standard that we felt was worthy of honoring that standard. So should Pete Rose be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yes. He's the all-time hit leader. Is he a good human being? No, he's not. But he's an all-time hit leader in baseball. The man should be in the Hall of Fame. Now you can put Not everyone can be as nice as Ty Cobb, Chad. <laughs> yes, Ty Cobb was a gentleman among gentlemen. <laughs> the reality is I, I get tired of uh, sometimes ethics mattering. Sometimes they don't. You know, remember Jim Traficant, dirtbag, complete dirtbag. And they fought tooth and nail to keep that guy in, in Congress. But Clarence Thomas happens to have a rich friend. Now, did he take things from them? Probably. Where's the cutoff? You know, well, I actually don't even think the probably. I, th- that is, again, it's a completely manufactured controversy. There is no controversy. To your point, that's exactly what it's about. Clarence Thomas knows a rich guy. Um, yeah. that, that would disqualify every, particularly every Democrat politician in, in Washington. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the Bidens, good grief, the Obamas, rubbing shoulders with every billionaire leftist that they could find. Uh, so no, th- that whole, that's not even a controversy. It's just a purely concocted uh, indictment I- intended to do only one thing, which is to tarnish the reputation of Clarence Thomas, who, of course, is the most hated of all of the conservative justices because he has the temerity not only to be an originalist, but he's a black man. And yes. he cannot be, you know, the most hated of all conservatives are African-American conservatives because they've abandoned their rightful place on the left. They hate themselves. They hate themselves completely. But ask yourself, I would ask anybody that's having this issue, if you have, if you go to dinner with somebody and they pick up the check, is that a problem? Your friends. I'm not just talking about some random stranger. I'm saying I've known Sally Smith since we were four years old, and she happened to strike it rich in tech, and she's a gajillionaire, and I happen to be uh, on the board of a nonprofit, and she buys me dinner. Does that make me unethical? They're my friend first, not a partner. Nothing she's done. Well, and of course, it depends on... Okay, are you in a position uh, to to grant her some sort of favor that would not be granted uh, to someone else? And that's where that gets to your point about you know where is the line? And we can and certainly uh, okay. So contrast that with is it okay for Hunter Biden to enter into contracts worth tens of millions of dollars with communist China when Hunter Biden has no uh, readily apparent skills whatsoever. No. And the reason that's not okay is because it's transparently the only purpose for any of that money changing hands is to gain access to his father, either at the time that he was vice president or now as president. Uh, so no, I mean, obviously context matters and, and people can agree to disagree on where the line should be drawn, but you're right. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, but of course, you know, what about the Clinton foundation? 
right? Oh, yeah. Is there anything wrong with having a charity? Well, no, except if 90% of the money that sluices into your charity is from Russia and, and foreign sources, and it actually doesn't go to the purpose of the charity. It sort of disappears and is used for who knows what reason. Yeah, that's not okay because it's a sham, and everyone yeah, well, knows it's a sham. Yeah, well, every Democratic president or first family seems to come out of it better. Chelsea Clinton has no discernible talent other than her last name is Clinton, and she was given a, a huge gig at NBC to do I don't know what, and she left it because apparently she wasn't satisfied with the role she was given, even though it paid her a buttload of money to do nothing. Uh, the, this is all about who rubs my back? I rub your back. It's really, that's, that's what politics comes down to. Who do you know? Who's going to give you what you want and what can I get from? We have legal influence peddlers in lobbyists, legal influence peddlers. They're registered as giving me stuff. So I do stuff for them. That's, that's what they do. I don't see the difference. I think that's horrible, but I think this is horrible. If I'm friends with somebody, I'm friends with them. If I'm if I'm unethical, I'm unethical when I got in. I'm I still remain unethical while I'm there. And if I was not unethical before, unfortunately, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and I think that's a problem. So well, and you know what? So to just slightly expand on that, one of the critiques that I've seen recently from um, sort of MAGA circles, the only Trump people, uh, <laughs> is of course that DeSantis is now somehow a bought and paid for minion of the globalists. Have you have you seen this critique? It emanates from certain quarters, and it's become sort of received wisdom among certain people who literally are are in a Trump cult, basically. <laughs> and but what's fascinating, and what their argument is that oh my goodness, have you seen? He's gotten money from backers who also supported Jeb, and he's tied oh. to well. Here's Here's the reality. In order to run for president, um, it, it requires a several billions, with a B, billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You're going to be, no matter who you are, accepting money from sources far and wide. And probably some of those sources, not people that you would otherwise want money from, but if you're going, unless you're Donald Trump, and, can, and actually Trump didn't totally self-finance. That's, that's baloney. Uh, however, the money is never going to be eliminated from our political system. So to, to simply then conclude, well, the fact that there's a bunch of people that have certain political positions that are supporting DeSantis means that DeSantis is now enthralled to them is, is absurd. Because we get back to your point, which is, well, let's observe what this individual does, he's a chief executive of one of the largest states in the country. Can you look at his policies and from them conclude that somehow he's being, he's being controlled by people who are, let's say, not conservative? Gee, I would love to hear somebody make that case. Uh, now, everyone, the flesh is weak. Who knows what Ron DeSantis is going to do if, in fact, he runs and becomes president. But the point is, is that up till now, there's literally not a, not a speck of evidence that this is a guy who is a fraud, who is pretending to be a conservative, who doesn't actually have conservative principles in mind. I've never seen a single indication of that. So I find that entire critique coming from, again, the only Trump crowd to be ludicrous on its face and somewhat desperate, frankly. Uh, Here's what's going to happen soon, and I'm predicting this. Somebody in the Trump camp, won't be Donald, might be Don Jr., 
is going to come out and say that the whole DeSantis Disney thing was trumped up, not to use that term, to raise DeSantis's national profile so that he could run for president. There's a conspiracy that this is all made up and he doesn't really hate Disney and they don't really hate him, even though they're suing him and he seems to be at war with Disney and rightly so. I, I feel like something like that's coming to say, well, you know, he's just making this up and, and, and something's going to happen. Well, yeah, the interesting thing is, is that if that is the charge, now, of course, to your point, it's not made up, but if the charges are when you're using this to elevate your national profile, I think that's absolutely true. true. Yeah. Multiple things can be true. On the yeah. one hand, DeSantis can legitimately be pushing back against a company that has decided to go to the forefront in the culture wars and has said, okay, you, you want to play that game? If you're not going to stay in your lane, if you're going to be actively attempting to groom millions of kids with all of your, uh, you know, your programs, and you're going to, you're going to, publicly denounce legislative initiatives and not only denounce, but to misinform people about what they are, guess what? There's going to be blowback because two can play that game. And guess what? I actually have more political power than you do. But if part of that is the, the benefit is also to raise people's awareness of Ron DeSantis as a politician, that's absolutely a legitimate, a, a legitimate use of that. Of course. Yeah. And Trump came, said, in 2018, when he was running for governor, that he begged him to endorse him. I don't know if he begged him, but I'm sure he asked for it because right. Trump was president. And I'm running for governor in the state of Florida where I need help because I'm not winning right now. So that's a question for you. Yeah. I So let's assume, let's assume that uh, Republicans could somehow overcome uh, this mass mail balloting farce that is now essentially how we elect people. Do you have any confidence whatsoever that if Donald Trump does not get the Republican nomination, and by the way, right now, whatever whatever value you place on polling, um, Trump seems like he has a significant advantage on, on polling related to any other candidate, including DeSantis, in a primary. Right. But let's say that, that Trump ultimately does not get the nomination and that DeSantis does. Do you have any confidence whatsoever, number one, that Trump will graciously support DeSantis in that event? And number two, that any of his, or not say any, but the majority of his supporters will show up at the polls and vote for DeSantis? Because I don't think either of those things are going to happen. I don't think Trump can lose with grace. I actually think Trump, if he does lose, will will continue to attack DeSantis and will actually signal to his supporters that they should not vote. And even if he doesn't do that, if he at least has the wherewithal to not emulate the entire party, I have read enough from people who have the position that there's no one but Trump, they're going to stay home. And so I think that the chances of the Republicans winning the White House in 2024 are close to zero. Um, I think there is... The only way Republican is going to win 2024 is if Donald Trump drops out graciously and supports whoever the candidate is. He will not. He will He will not support whoever beats him if they beat him, which will be a bloodbath in the primaries. And if DeSantis or anybody else is the, the nominee, he will mobilize his people to not support. Anybody running as a Republican needs every Republican vote and then – a, a bunch well, of and by the way, you say to yeah. me, there's only two people that can be the nominee. 
Well, everyone else that intends to run, whether it's Nikki Haley or Pompeo or go down the there's, there's literally there are only two people that are relevant in this conversation. It's either going to be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis if he declares, and yes, he hasn't declared, but all signs indicate that he is going to throw his hat into the ring. Those, in my view, are the only two individuals that have any chance whatsoever of winning a Republican primary. The only two. I don't think DeSantis should run because Trump, not because he's not, he, he couldn't beat Trump, but because of what I just said, I think he is diminished against Biden and then it becomes a referendum on Trump. Trump's still large in this election, whether he's the nominee or not. And that's how Biden wins a second term. Not because he deserves it, not because he earned it, but because it's still a referendum on Trump. Well, you make, Trump it, you make an interesting point, which is, and look, all of these guys have very sophisticated polling on a whole bunch of things. And they have advisors that are, you know, that this is what they do. Your point is interesting in that I do think that there is an argument to be made to DeSantis, which is we don't believe that there's a, there's a significant portion of the, let's say, Republican slash conservative electorate who will simply not show up and vote if Donald Trump is not the nominee this time around. And if that happens, Ron, your chances of being president are are basically you know infinitesimal. And so to yeah, so what we recommend is you stay the most successful governor in the country for another four years, or is it six years? I don't I don't know what Florida is. Yeah. Um, and you wait it out, and then you let Donald Trump go down in flames, which I think he will, against whoever it is. And apparently, they're going to wheel Joe Biden out there again on his, uh, you know, with his iron lung. Um, and and then you basically, of course, can the country can the country deal with yet another four years of the Biden administration? No. Um, no. I don't. Uh, let's put it this way. It, yes, it's not going to be uh, the you know an existential. The country is over. But I will say that at the rate they're going, uh, the ability to reverse this, um, it, it would take. It's going to take two decades uh, to to try to reverse the damage that they're doing. In a legitimate election against somebody not named Donald Trump, Biden would have to run on the economy. He would have to run on national security. He would have to run on our southern border. He would have to run on. Wouldn't though? Well, in, in not not with the media. I don't mean the media, but he would be hammered every day. Think of Carter. Carter was hammered daily about the economy, about the hostages, about everything wrong with this country. People forgot about Nixon and Ford because Carter was so awful at his job and there was somebody out there to point out how awful he was and his name was not Donald Trump. It doesn't just take us full circle back to what we talked about at the beginning, which is at this stage, uh, the lies are all that there is. So in other words, you know, you say, and, and look, I, I absolutely understand the point you're making, but we're to, we're to the stage now where that reality about the border, about national security, about the economy it doesn't even penetrate. And no. now again, there's t- there's millions of people in this country who are suffering, right? But but I fully expect we will continue to see the the ceaseless gaslighting where when he's asked about the economy's great, uh, the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan was perfect. There's yes. no problem with the southern border, right? The emperor is, is wearing a cloak of spun gold, right? It, yeah. We're to the stage now, and this is my biggest fear: is that. The information uh, that 
is available to people in this country relating to all of those issues, any of it that is damaging to Joe Biden uh, is suppressed. They're not aware of it. For instance, you pointed out Fetterman, right? Mm -hmm. How many people that voted for Fetterman do you think were even aware of his cognitive and medical condition at the time they voted for him? I would wager that it's less than 20%. I would wager it was probably 50% or more, and they didn't care because he was a Democrat. That's, not that part of that is true, but I also think that there's many people, if you ask them, number one, do you know who John Fetterman is? Yeah, barely. Do you know if he's suffering from any medical? I don't know. Because, again, we're in an environment where we consume uh, mm-hmm. you know, conservative, and I'm going to say conservative media, but I don't mean that ideologically. I mean – Oh, we've seen the videos of John Fetterman barely able to speak, can't form a complete sentence. We've seen these other people do not see this. There is nowhere that they can go, okay, to watch the daily video of Joe Biden unable to read a teleprompter, wandering around on stage, not even sure where he is, having to have the Easter Bunny, the guy in the Easter Bunny suit, intervene, right? And this is a daily occurrence. But Chad, most people exist in an information bubble where they don't even think that stuff is going on. They don't know. Well, they don't, they don't care until the election. They really don't think about it until the election. There's people who do. And I, that's why every time I say, I see, oh, they're going to get Hunter Biden now. No, they're not. Is this going to impact him in 18 months? No, not really. Is, is Joe Biden in trouble? No, he withdrew from Afghanistan. We're not even talking about Sudan. We left more Americans in Sudan. They don't care. They truly don't care, and they keep gaslighting every day on the media. I remember this from a marketing class. If you tell people the lie long enough, and it varies from person to person how long it has to be, but if you tell the same lie consistently Long enough, people will believe the lie. Well, isn't that the isn't that the Gerber's formulation? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's that's who. I mean, there's probably multiple people who have said three lie, print the lie. <laughs> yeah, they've said equivalent things, and that's where we're we're at right now, yeah. uh, where you can't even have a conversation with someone, let's say, who's on the other side politically, who's who's an intelligent person, because the sources of information are, are so divergent that. If you only read the New York Times and watch the network news and listen to NPR, you are literally not aware mm-hmm. of 90% of what is going on in this country. You're not aware of the crisis at the border. Now, again, to your point, there's a group of people who know all of this, but all they're, they're cynical and all they care about is, that's fine. Uh, we're going to suppress that because we're interested in political power. But a large segment of the population, and we talked about this. I saw this the other day, and it reminded me. I was trying to do a Google search, uh, and I don't use really Google very much anymore. There's other search engines. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to – I was doing a Google search because I was being lazy, and I actually input not only a generic search, but I was looking for a specific article. Yeah, and I put in not only a generic search. Uh, I put in very specific uh, terms because I knew I was looking for a specific article. And, mm-hmm. and of course, it's an article that was a conservative, uh, taking a conservative position on some policy issue. Chad, it took me to like 12 pages of search returns to even identify this article. And so in other words, uh, the algorithm was producing in response to a directed search Articles that were the complete opposite perspective of what I was searching for, page after page after page. And my point is, is that 
if you were, if you're not even aware that that article exists and you're trying to search for information about issues, you will never find that article. You will never find the video, uh, the GoPro video of George Floyd before the, before Chauvin was on his neck when he was claiming he couldn't breathe for 20 minutes when he was upright. You will never find primary source materials on any of this, on the findings that have exonerated Trump. On, right, you go down the list, or the, the people clinging to the airplanes as they attempted to leave uh, the Air Force base in uh, Kabul, right? Yeah. That doesn't exist. It might have been not exist. You'll never find the Great Barrington Declaration. You'll never find any information about all the scientists who have been silenced and demonized for daring to promote heresy about COVID, right? You'll never find the repeated lies from Dr. Fauci over and over about masking or Dr. Walensky. It is as if that information does not exist. And that's part of the issue. When you control the information, I hate to bring the 1984 into it, Orwell's 1984. When you control the information, you control the outcome. You control the narrative and you control the outcome. Because people will say, oh, I don't remember how that started. Let me Google it. Let me look up what I find. And then they believe because they saw it on the internet. So here's, a, here's something I, we didn't talk, we've never talked about this, but um, since we last spoke, we've got pseudo AI, competing pseudo AI things out there. And my concern is Joe Biden put out his renomination video and the Republican National Convention put out an AI generated response. And it was clear it said AI generated images and and everything. And there was people were up in arms. Well, how do we this this is wrong? This this couldn't possibly be. Now it looked like stock footage because it was stock footage from somewhere they, they generated it. But if you can't tell if something's real or if it's made up, there's a gen I think there was a professor in I want to say Tennessee who was accused of sexually assaulting a student on a trip to Alaska. He never went to Alaska, he never took any students to Alaska, but it was out there that he had sexually assaulted a student. And I'm like, hold on a second. You can't come back from these things. You can't say suddenly, oh, well, you know, that was, that was AI. It didn't, didn't mean that. It wasn't really the truth because that now follows him. That's still a search component somewhere out there where it will be. How, how long until all the Google results are whatever we want? We saw how many, how many different uh, websites were generating their, their online content through AI just to see if we'd notice, I think. And they found out it wasn't even accurate. What they were putting out on their own website wasn't accurate with their editors because they didn't edit it. They just put it out. That's what we're dealing with. When you control the, the false narrative, you can make it mean anything you want. What's the, what's the old line? History is written by the winners. But here's what you got. You've got people who are in charge of these things and they suddenly become the thing. My daughter said tonight, why do I need to know how to do something? I've got my phone. I can look it up. I can have a, a website create it for me. I don't have to do that. We're creating a society of people who do not know how to do basic skills because something else does it for them. Wally, come li- come to life right here. Yeah. Wally. That's a dangerous precedent from my perspective to set when you can't do the basic skills of human existence and you've advocated all that to a machine or some other organization to run it for you. 
how long before you don't have any clue what's going on? Oh, wait a minute. That's now. Because you're right. Most people don't know what is going on in the world and they don't care. Just let me get my, I want to get through the work week and I want to go have fun with my buddies on the weekend. That's it. I don't care about anything else. I'm good. Right. That's where we're at. And I don't know how to fix that because I don't think people care enough to fix it. Truthfully. I, I absolutely agree. I wish that wasn't the case. I really wish it wasn't the case. So let's, let's close out on this. Um, we didn't talk about the NFL season, but it's over. We didn't talk about the inner squad games for, for college football. Who do you think is going to win national football or uh, college football championship this year? Who is Georgia re- get a three? I mean, at this point, don't you have to say Georgia until they lose? I think if it was an NFL team, I'd say that. But Georgia lost a lot of people, including the quarterback who could, the Cinderella quarterback. He's not there anymore. Yeah, but I was, you know, again, and I, I'll have to admit, I, mean, I, I follow college football, but I'm certainly not one of these guys that is scouring the rosters and the draft classes, right? However, I was, I did happen to be reading. Uh, you know, an early uh, prognostication, you know, on ESPN about the top 25 teams, they've got Georgia right back at number one based on who's still there, based on the incoming five-star, because they have, you know, again, the best recruiting class in the country, et cetera. So, look, college football right now is basically about six teams, give or take. It's about Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, um, potentially, who, who am I forget? Oh, Clemson. I know Clemson had a, a down year for them, but you know, Dabo has them in that. Another, uh, there's only one other SEC team, right? So maybe LSU at this point. And then you're going to have potentially Michigan, um, and then some other interloper that shows up and has you know undefeated season season either out west or last year it was TCU, who then of course were were completely exposed. Uh, but that's it. Um, you know, there, there basically are any, in any given year, there's the, the top, I mean, basically the top college football programs right now, the three top programs unequivocally are Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. Those are the three top programs. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, in a given year, Clemson, you've got another LSU, you've got Michigan, you know, they're, they're in the conversation now. Harbaugh seems to have gotten them in that position. So mm-hmm. one of those teams is going to win. No, I think it. I they think you've got you've got two leagues, SEC and Big Ten, and it's more than likely SEC takes that. Whoever wins the SEC is more than likely the national champion, regardless of what comes out of the Big Ten. Um, in the Big Ten, it's it's Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State would like to think they're in that realm. Uh, we'll see. I, they haven't shown. I mean, preseason, everyone seems to think that Penn State is now um, they've reloaded and they're a top seven or eight team. I'll sure. believe it when I see it. Exactly. Well, the same thing with Michigan. You don't believe it until they actually win a playoff game and they haven't. So, so what? You win the Big Ten. Big deal. You know, um, I think well, for still, speaking as a Michigan fan, so yeah. you watch them get housed by TCU. What do they give up? Like four or five plays of more than 50 yards? It was ridiculous. And then TCU gets completely emasculated by by Georgia to the point where if you're a Michigan fan, and again, I understand it game to game, right? You you can't play that game well since we beat them and they they beat them, right? But 
the the way that Georgia manhandled them. If you're if you're a Michigan fan and a, and a Michigan uh, you know like athletic director, you got to be thinking to yourself. How is it possible that we – how many points did TCU score in that game against Michigan? Almost 50? Oh, yeah, it was close to – I don't remember what the final score was, but it was – it was both both the Michigan-TCU game and the Ohio State-Georgia game were high-scoring games, much higher than I would have thought from both games. And Ohio State very nearly yes. knocked out Georgia. That was a national championship game. It should have been. I mean, it was a better – I think TCU – was over their skis most of the year. I think Michigan did what I would say were classically stupid calls. Like in the first, when they were on the two yard line, they decided to do a rollout and, and uh, shift the, the, the field. It, it, it's, it's totally anti what got you there. And you, you change what you did. TCU caught them. TCU had some big plays. I think TCU was playing on borrowed time most of the year. And they, they showed that in a lot of their close games. Yeah. They didn't win. They won Georgia. I think kind of underestimated Ohio state a little bit. And it was a lot closer than it probably should have been and come down to what it did. Ohio state, a decent team, Michigan, decent team, TCU. Okay. Team Georgia was much better. They were just a better team. Well, the one thing that I would say, again, as someone who doesn't give a rip about Ohio State or Michigan, um, what the SEC, particularly the very top echelon of the SEC, because the SEC, of course, gets lauded all the time as if they're this infinitely superior league. And the issue with the SEC is at the bottom of the SEC, the Big Ten is a better league top to bottom. Now, other than Ohio State, however, the top of the SEC, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, tend to be superior to the top of the Big Ten, right? So the the tentpole teams, the SECs are better. But here's the thing. Other than Ohio State, the Big Ten in general still has not closed the speed gap on on sort of the, the freak athleticism that exists. And I'm not talking about just the skill position players. The reason that Georgia has won two consecutive national championships is because if you watch the guys on their defense, mm-hmm. those guys are, exist in a different universe other than, from a talent standpoint, Ohio State. Ohio State tends to be the one team in the Big Ten that is actually recruiting not one position, not three positions, 11 guys that across the board are five-star talent that could play in the SEC. And that's what Michigan got exposed by, is that they just didn't have the, the athletes across the board or the team speed. Because you know this, Michigan is supposedly this defensive juggernaut. TCU ran past them and threw them, and I'm thinking... Where, where, where did the, have you ever seen an Alabama coach team play that kind of game? Look, they've lost, right? They've been upset. Ohio State has beaten them. They've lost to Clemson. But you're never going to see Alabama or Georgia get housed on, on, on a game like that, whereas that did happen to Michigan. And that's why, as much as I want to believe that Harbaugh has sort of turned the corner, and look, he has in the sense that they're going to continue to win nine or ten games every season now. But are they really in the echelon to compete with the big boys at the end of the year? I don't, I don't think they are. And I don't think Ohio State is either. I, I would contend that Ohio State, maybe it's coaching. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sold on Ryan Day at Ohio State. I think Ryan Day's good, and, and I think in in the Big Ten, you have if you're Ohio State or Michigan, you have two games a year you have to worry about, truly worry about, 
and that's Penn State and Ohio State if you're Michigan and, and vice versa, Michigan and, and Penn State for Ohio State. And it's really, it's really just Michigan and Ohio State have to worry about each other. Not that they can't get caught, not that they can't get exposed by some other teams, but the Big Ten is not the same pressure cooker, I believe, as the SEC. I saw Tennessee put a lot of points on Alabama this yep. year, and that was Bryce Young. That was returning Heisman Trophy winner. That that exposed what the defense of Nick Saban, the defensive guy, could not stop Tennessee. And Tennessee was okay. They were better than they've been in a while, but they were not – they were not Georgia level, not even Georgia exposed them tremendously. And the coaching there did not show up there. There's, I think Alabama is still in the running there. I think Clemson may come back. I think Georgia is still going to be until they, until they get beat to your point, until they get beat, they're still the team to beat. I think whoever wins the big 10 makes the playoffs and until they win something, I don't, I don't really believe anything. Somebody else is going to come from the rest of the country Pac-10, uh, USC could have been there last year, but USC was eh, okay. They weren't great. They were okay. And it was exposed as such. I, I think there's a speed gap between the SEC and everybody else. And I put Ohio State in that speed gap. They, they may recruit that way, but if you're, if you're a top recruit and you are talented across the board, five-star recruit, and you have a choice between Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, or Michigan – you're choosing Alabama or Ohio State or uh, Georgia. You're, you're well, not, unless you have some other connection to one of those right. other programs. Yeah, unconnected. You know, if your family went there, you're a legacy, and you just you've always wanted to play for one of those. Yeah, that's different. But if you if you're unaffiliated and you have that much talent, you can't go back to the days of well, you're going to be on TV every week. Yeah, you're going to be on TV if you're on a good program. You're going to be on TV every week. Are you going to have to compete for your position? Yes, and the best want to compete. I believe that. I think if you're the best at your position, you don't go to a team where you don't have to compete because you don't get better. Now you want to play. You don't want everybody to be better than you, but you want somebody to push you. You don't get better by never practicing against good players. And I think that's Michigan's problem right now. They don't have a depth of talent behind the starters. So nobody pushes them and they don't get exposed against Indiana or Northwestern or even Wisconsin or Minnesota anymore. They get up for Ohio State, and that's where it ends. They get up for Penn State, but it's not the rivalry that Ohio State is, so it's not as big of a deal. Penn State is the little guy going, hey, look at us, look at us. We're over here. Look at us, look at us. And then they play Maryland, and they play Rutgers, and they go, oh, look at how great we are against Maryland and Rutgers. Who cares? That's well, the problem. interesting? I think, uh, what, the Philadelphia Eagles this season may have at least four yeah, and they maybe five starters from Georgia. They saw that they saw the talent level and it upgrades their positions. That's a team that was in the Super Bowl and likely could have won the Super Bowl, did not, but they upgraded positions. They lost a lot of people to free agency, but they brought in talent. Now we'll wait to see if that act, that talent actually materializes into actual NFL skill sets. But man, it's there's something there going on. Kirby Smart's doing something right at Georgia from a talent perspective. And again, I think Every good program, and Dabo Sweeney has seen this, there's some people with questionable character. No. Now, I know, it's hard to believe, but winning is why you're there. I understand you're trying to mold these. This isn't the 1950s where the coach say, I'm going to mold your child into a man. 
I'm going to try to win a national championship. He's going to get some reflected glory because of it. That's why. Well, and I guess we can maybe finish on this. The other, the other thing that's become apparent, and this was already largely apparent, but college athletics and in particular college football and college basketball with the name image likeness and the transfer portal, these are now purely basically another professional sports league. That, that's all. That, that's all they have become now. And, and we'll see, I mean, did you see the uh, you know the Colorado, Colorado basically their entire roster entered the transfer portal? Now people are laughing with Dion about that, but he was basically telegraphing that's exactly what was going to happen because he was going to clean house. Uh, but the point is, is that these guys now that can make literally millions of dollars annually. Mm-hmm. On, you know, on social media because they have these NIL contracts and they can leave one situation that they just happen not to like for a more favorable situation with no essentially no drawbacks to that whatsoever. It is now just a bunch of uh, individual brands who are mercenaries who are just traversing the country looking for their best landing spot so that they can promote themselves and then figure out how best to get themselves to the to the next level. It is it was already corrupt. Okay, it wasn't as if oh five years ago it was fantastic, but now it is fully just another professional league in my view. Yep, you are one hundred percent correct. And and Deion Sanders had no obligation to keep any of those players because they Agreed. stunk. They Agreed. Stunk. And that's pretty much what he said. He said, yeah. we're, we're gutting the culture. We're going to find some guys that actually want to play. It sounds like a lot of guys didn't like it. Ironically, Dion, who was always known for his flash and his diva yes. personality, appears to be an incredibly old school kind mm-hmm. of coach, which if you look at the era that he came up in, in some ways, I guess that's not all that surprising. It's not surprising, but when you're the coach, you need team. You can't win on one player on on a college football team. And if the players at Colorado had been better, Dion wouldn't be at Colorado because they wouldn't have fired the coach that was there. Period. So if you're garbage, see what happened to the uh, '88 Cowboys. Yep. They came in and they they got rid of all those players because they stunk that that's what you do and if you don't like it you can move on but the nil i believe totally agree with you it's it's cash grab it's always been a cash grab now it's very out in the open cash grab uh and it's not going back in the bottle the genie is out and uh, you watch it for the laundry like you do in the pros i watch laundry i root for this is one of the reasons that saban and others have been railing against it um, well, exactly. And so theoretically, the the chokehold that some of these iconic programs have on the sport should begin to diminish because the reality is that the kind of leverage that uh, a coach like a Nick Saban or, or go to basketball like a Mike Krzyzewski or Dean Smith could exert over a program and their players that really doesn't exist anymore in the sense that these top guys are already capable of making millions and millions of dollars while they're in college. And so the coach is not necessarily their meal ticket, their conduit to the pros. And so the program itself becomes far less important to these guys. And I think that's part of what Nick Saban clearly understands. And so do these other guys is that my, uh, you know, their ability as sort of, you know, the, the, the general power, pattern of the army that is no longer the case because guess what if you tick these guys off 
enough and they don't like your autocratic coaching style, it's bye-bye. I've, yeah. I'm already making a million bucks a year on social media with my NIL contract. I'm going somewhere where they're going to cater to me and you know bring me food and, and fan me with palm fronds or do whatever else. And so the power that these sort of, uh, you know, the, these Mount Rushmore coaches, these guys that have become bigger than the programs, again, theoretically, that should continue to diminish. Yeah. Well, you saw Tua... Uh, take over for Jalen Hurts in Alabama. Jalen transfers to Oklahoma, and then he gets into the NFL and he gets into a Super Bowl and he gets a huge contract because of it. He was the backup. He was displaced by, or he was a starter. He was displaced by Tua. Tua, if he could stay healthy, might be a decent quarterback at Miami. So, if you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're going to jump around to get the best situation for you, which I understand. But that's that's life, and that's how things roll. Anything yeah. else to add? No, I think uh, I think that's more than sufficient for our semi-annual program. <laughs> I agree. Uh, thanks for joining us, folks. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.